Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hey everyone, this is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ Podcast. I'm joined here with Frank Gow, my co-host, and today we're going to do our retrospective on Area 8, USPSA Nationals, and the Tactical Games Team event. Something we've been wanting to do for a while. I did want to get Andy on here, but for in terms of time, you know, trying to marry up all our schedules together has been kind of difficult. Uh, So it's going to be me and Frank solo today. So, uh, Frank, you want to kind of lead this off? Yeah, sure thing. So this, as Matt mentioned, is a direct follow-up to our previous episode talking about preparations going into the Tackle Games team event at Panthero, West Virginia, which happened at the end of August, uh, and also Area 8, as well as Carry Optics Nationals. So first off, Matt, uh, congrats to you and Andy on the finish. You guys uh, ended up second overall out of all the intermediate teams. Uh, that's a fantastic finish and like obviously you guys put in the work and you guys went out there and just absolutely killed it so that's the first thing i want to say is congrats to you and andy looking back in retrospect and we talked a lot about your preparations in terms of working out shooting and then basic like logistical groundwork before going into the uh, tactile games is there anything that you would change about your guys preparation um so Obviously, well, honestly, I should say, obvious to me now, uh, but realistically, I would probably focus a lot more on my cardio still, and I felt like I did quite a bit of cardio. Um, so that 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 is something that is a weak area for me. I recognize that, and I need to continue working on it. Um, I would probably take a deeper dive into my diet me and andy were talking diet a lot while we were up there um so i'll you know in preparation for future events i want to really do a deep dive on my diet and really just kind of focus on what i put in my body another aspect is i'm you know i'm huge on tobacco i dip a can of you know grizzly wintergreen a day uh and i've been doing it for years you know almost 20 years now, uh, I do want to quit. And I know it's just going to make me a better competitor and a better athlete if I did get rid of that, uh, that aspect of my life. Um, you know, save my teeth, save my life, you know, keep me from getting cancer and all that other bullshit. Uh, so those are some things I, I would, I would, I really want to change. I, I felt strength wise, I was pretty strong. Uh, and shooting wise, you know, I honestly didn't put a lot of work into my shooting, you know, um, you know, leading up to the event, you know, the last time I shot prior to this event was at three man, three gun back in June. Other than that, I didn't put, I, I, I went to the range maybe two times, got zeros, 
got holdovers and did a quick workout, a um, couple quick workouts where I was, uh, I was, I was shooting under stress and that's really it. And, and I'm able to do that just because of all the reps and trigger presses I have in the past. So I, I, and I don't change my gear. One thing I constantly tell people to do is don't change something you're already comfortable with. So if you're already comfortable with your gear, don't go to a match changing your gear at the last minute. Um, I don't think Andy would really change much of anything that he's doing. Andy's just a physical specimen uh, who, who can, you know, he can just work and just keep going. Um, he was, he was very strong out there and he's also a really solid shooter. So, you know, hats off to him. Like it, we both have our strengths. Um, what really, honestly, what I think really set us apart was our shooting ability. Yeah. Very nice. So, we talked about this a little bit when I called you after the games. How did you feel coming out of day two? And I feel like that's a largest indication of how well you prepared in terms of physical fitness. If your body is completely trashed at the end of day two, then there's a sign that you need to work on the endurance and stamina piece a little bit. But how did you guys feel at that award ceremony? Honestly, we felt pretty good. Um, obviously, we were both sore. Uh, but to be quite honest, uh, I wasn't dying. I, I could still walk fine. Even like the next day where you would really be feeling it, you know, uh, you know, going home. I, I actually felt pretty good, uh, which does tell me that I, I did the right stuff in preparation. Um, I wasn't dying, you know, if, if that's what you're asking. I, I could, you know, when we had to get up and go get our trophies and everything, had to walk up there, grab the trophies go down a steep hill, then walk back up a steep hill. You know, I, I actually felt pretty good. And, and even in between battles, I felt like my recovery was just fine. Like I knew when I just had to sit and I knew whenever I had to move around. Yeah, that's great. I, I haven't done enough of these. I'd say there's a huge difference between just being completely like feeling like you're broken and that you're actually, you went beyond your uh, capacities uh, at, the, at the end of that second day. And then feeling good about yourself like you guys did. I want to talk a little bit about the actual battles themselves. So in terms of execution, um, what would you and Andy change, if anything, about the way you approach those battles? Um, so James Gill gave me a really good bit of advice, um, you know, about a week or two prior to the tactical games event. Whenever we after we got done with the interview with Jared and him, um, me and me and Gill stayed on for about 45 minutes after just talking. And, you know, one of the biggest things he's, he, he told me is remember that it is just one battle. It, you know, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So don't gas yourself out between every battle, make sure your hits count and make sure you are pushing yourself, but not pushing yourself hard enough to where you're not going to be able to perform well for the next battle. So that's, that's the approach that we essentially took. And, and quite honestly, um, you know, in certain ones, like I could tell Andy, Hey, we need to slow down or like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just come out and say it like the run. Um, 
we started out the run too fast, you know, you know, you got to figure you're carrying, you're wearing a flak that weighs 15 pounds. You're carrying a rifle, you're wearing a belt with your pistol on it. You know, let, let's estimate 20, 25 pounds worth of uh, extra gear on your person. And I want to say when we started our run and it was, it was about a three and a half mile run. I, I would say three and a quarter, three and a half. Um, our first mile, we were averaging about nine to nine and a half minute mile. Uh, that was way too fast. We just went too fast. And, and quite honestly, that first mile, I got, I was gassed to the point where I told Andy, I was like, I'm walking. I was like, I have no more energy. Um, granted, it was probably between 85, 90 degrees. There was no wind. The sun was out. It was two o'clock in the afternoon. It was, it was miserable. Um, so I told Andy, I was like, I, I can't go. I can't run anymore. Let's just go at a, a fast, uh, forced March speed. Let's keep it around 15 minute miles. Um, and that's the approach I want to take. Um, I know my body. I knew at what point I was at that. And I knew if I pushed myself harder, I would have probably been a heat case as I've been a heat case in the past, you know, throughout my career. I just didn't want to risk the event for us. Uh, so what really saved us during that, because even though like I would say we had probably a mid pack runtime, if you want to call it a runtime, you know, uh, I think we came in at 48 minutes, but what really saved us is our shooting ability. Um, because the way it was set up is first you start out in the shoot, you run to a barricade and you do a reverse kneeling or a sitting position and your partner shoots eight rounds, two rounds per target, four targets out there. And then you shoot uh, eight rounds at the target. You run about 30 to 50 yards to the next implement, which was a, a rooftop. And then your partner starts shooting. Once he's done shooting, you start shooting. Then once you both are cleared out there, you run to the, uh, to the next uh, barricade and you're in the prone and your buddy shoots eight rounds and then you shoot eight rounds. And we got all the way up to the last round. I did not fire my last round off, but we also had the least amount of penalties, not just for division, but for the entire, uh, between all the athletes and all the teams that were out there, we had the least amount of penalties. And, and that just comes down to is we've been doing this long enough to where we know, we know our weapons, we know our holds and we know how to shoot. Um, so that probably moved us from a, a mid pack finish down to a fourth place finish on that battle. Yeah. Very nice. So yeah. Um, the other question I thought of was, um, you guys had to take it a little slower during the run. Were there any other instances in which confronted with the battle you guys made, you guys had a deliberate conversation about taking maybe a more efficient or conservative approach rather than like possibly overtaxing yourselves and causing issues for later battles. The incident that comes to mind out of last year's tackle games was Jared and I decided to, instead of like just cleaning and jerking those axle bars, mm -hmm. just taking them as a unit and like carrying them together. Uh, you could carry it by yourself, but if you carry it all the way down and you couldn't get it back, then you and your buddy had to like bring it all the way back and then do another run to make up for that initial failed run. Um, so I would say that there really wasn't a whole lot of that this year, but one of the battles we had to, you know, it was, 
it, it was our first battle of the day and we had to really watch our efficiency on it is it was a two-part battle you know and it you know burpees mattered and being able to get down and get your hits that mattered the second part of it it was just 12 minutes of walking with a hundred uh yard uh 100 pound sandbag getting it to the yoke dropping it both both individuals getting over the yoke picking the sandbag up getting to the other side and then doing the same thing over again and i want to say it was 50 yards down 50 yards back uh roughly and you had to do that for 12 minutes straight um starting that already taxed you you know you want to really conserve how fast you go um on that battle i think we came in sixth place overall um so we were definitely a little bit more conservative but i think it set us up for success for the the next two days nice um you mentioned it a little bit just about like when you needed to sit and when you need to keep moving but would you change anything about the way you guys were covered in between battles mm, i definitely didn't prepare with snacks and like uh like snacks i had and and i ate snacks but i should have andy's really good about it me not so much i should have brought meals and actually ate full meals so because you're just burning so many calories like yeah i i, I guess you can have i i think a conservative average of calories burned per battle is probably around 500 to 600 calories per battle yeah so you really need to take the time to in between each battle to to fuel up and yes. i've always been horrible at that yeah, you've mentioned that even during three gun matches. Uh, I find what everyone's different. Uh, I think Jared just he brought out like a bunch of uh, deli meat and all that stuff, uh, tortillas, cheese. I just bring out a loaf of bread and peanut butter and jelly and just make those throughout the day. Um, but at a certain point, like I understand why you neglect it. Eating does become a chore during these things. Oh yeah, like you I force things on. Yeah, I brought I, I brought out freaking. Uh peanut butter and jelly sandwich things, uh, the frozen ones, uh, the Uncrustables. Uncrustables. Yep. Yeah, I brought those out because that's my traditional range food. Uh, yeah. But like Andy brought out like ground deer meat and ground beef and rice, and he was eating that as his meals. And like that, that's going to fuel you. That's It's a chore to eat, but like that's the type of stuff you want to eat. Yeah, okay. So nutrition, definitely. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned diet earlier as well. Something the games are famous for is if there's a part, certain part of your kit that isn't rock solid, it's probably going to expose that just based on everything that you're doing. Did anything fail for you guys? A sling, a mount, any of that stuff? Um, so I felt in terms of our kit, everything we showed up with was perfect. Um. I know I complained some about my flack that I was using. Um, and I think it's just going to come down to, I find something that's comfortable for me. Um, there are times where I just felt that whenever I run, for instance, 
I like to hold the flak away from my body. I hate having the ta the flak tight because then I feel like when I'm running, I can't breathe. I can't expand my lungs. Um, so I run a certain way whenever I have kid on, um, so I can be breathe better. Other than that, like during all the other battles, I felt really solid for it. Uh, the only thing I would change and it's a personal preference on my rifle is I would take my offset irons off. I have 45 degree offset irons. Whenever you're on specific barricades, like, uh, um, the VTAC barrier, or one of the other bar barricades that they had, and you're having to use like the real slim um, offset uh, port. Yeah. Um, we had trouble at times getting the rifle through the barricade to where it's like where the barrel or the, uh, the muzzle brake isn't touching the wood. Uh, but I mean, we did fine. Um, I would just, I would take my offset irons off next time. Okay. And I didn't use them at all during the match. I thought maybe there might be an opportunity to use them, but realistically there was none. I didn't have to. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, out of all the stages, which one was your favorite to run and which one did you guys detest the most? Um, well, I can tell you right now, I'll start with the one that I hated the most and that was the run. Uh, I, you know, it was probably one of our worst, but, you know, best finishes just because the shooting went really well. Yeah. Um, and that and that makes it, you know, and, and I know we were the best. We we were told we were the best shooters as we just got done shooting because like the judges were like, oh, my God, can you guys teach us how to shoot? Like you guys did better than everybody out here. And we we're like, are you serious? And, and we felt like we did horrible. You know, I think we had probably six misses apiece um, out of 36 rounds total. Uh, but that that was the best. Uh, so but because there was the run, I hated it the most. Um, not going to lie. Uh, I, so I really enjoyed El Cartel. So El Cartel this year was a floater stage um, that was. It was really fun. It was a different, it was set up a bit differently this year compared to last year. Um, you know, one person is shooting pistol and one person is shooting rifle instead of last year is both people shooting a rifle at the same time. And both people are shooting pistol. Um, me and Andy split it up to where I was shooting pistol and Andy was shooting rifle. And we came first in our, in our division. Um, and then and, and like once you were done shooting, you had to run over to a 200 pound or is a 225 pound sandbag. Both of you pick it up, throw it in the back of the SUV and then get in. Um, so that was really fun because there was a, a huge three gun multi uh, practical shooting aspect to it. Uh, and I just I, you know, that's that's my forte. That's what that's what I'm good at. Um, there was another stage that was uh fun i think it was hurry up mate um i believe it was that one i can't I, without having the stages I, I i wanted to print the stages and i don't have access to them now but uh it was the the last event we did on no it was the rescue that's what it was and in both 
both individuals had to work together, you know, basically carrying the barbells down, carrying them back. Um, that was really fun. Actually, no, I take it back. My favorite one uh, that we did was the split to fit. And that battle right there, one person had to carry a sandbag and an axle bar, and the other person had to carry the Husafelt stone and drag a sled. And the reason why that that was really fun is, you know, I, I'm the guy, you know, Andy just took off and Andy was flying with, but with the sandbag and the Husafelt or the sandbag and the, the bar axle bar. And then I, I threw the Husafelt stone up on my shoulder, you know, put the, put the rope around my body and just took off. And I was catching up to the guys uh, that were close to Andy and it just, it was a really good feeling because we were the first guys down there, the first guys shooting, the first guys back. And I think we had a first place finish in that stage as well. So it just felt really good. Yeah. It's always a good feeling when you can start shooting before everyone else. Um, similarly, it's a terrible feeling when you get up to the line and everyone's already dumping max. Yeah. So awesome. Um, if there's anything that the games are really good at, it's, um, endowing you with a hatred for a certain inanimate object uh what was that for you guys this time around which implement did you hate the most at the end of it uh honestly it was that damn yoke bar um that one stage from uh the 24 minute battle where we had to carry the 100 pound sandbag down and back and get over the yoke that to me you know the the yoke bar still was at a reasonable amount to where you could jump over it but you had to plant your the the sole of your foot of one of your feet on that yoke bar um or it didn't count so that in and of itself was really taxing and to do that for 12 minutes straight you know it was just a grind and it just really made me hate hate the freaking yoke yeah I, I feel you man um the games last year were not run on the best schedules and there was numerous reasons for that but from a match director perspective, what changes did they make this year around that made it run smoother? So I think there was a limit as to how many participants were there. Um, but also the schedule was just, everything just flowed really well. Um, I think by having just three stages a day and a floater stage, uh, one each day, I, it was a it was more well organized and the way they did it is like on the first day it was going to be a shooting intensive float floater stage and then on the second day it was going to be a physically intensive floater stage and um the battles they kept it to certain timelines um to where nothing took too long the run wasn't a five and a quarter or five and a half mile run uh, like it was last year um, it was three miles or just over three miles because in events like that, you know, not everybody is the same physical condition. So some people are going to take longer than others. And then you're going to have other battles falling behind because not everybody's there. So just overall, uh, like construct and thought process going behind it all, it, it went really well. Okay. Yeah. That's good to hear. 
Uh, any shout outs you want to make? And do you want to call out any of the people that you met during the games? Um, so I wouldn't say I really met a whole lot of new people for last year compared to this year. It was just, uh, it was just really good to see guys that I hadn't seen since last year, like Ned Freer, um, Carla, I, I see, and I talk to all the time, Tess Saab, you know, Carla and Tess, like they, they came in first and, and the women's elite and they worked their ass off and they did a really good job and they're just really good people, uh, for the sport and just good people in general. Um, you know, they're the, they're individuals who are always encouraging other competitors to push themselves. Um, Jared Halbert did a really great job. Um, Jake, uh, Jake Mizzle did a really good job. Just all the staff at, at the match. Like if, if it wasn't for the staff and, and the volunteers, these wouldn't happen. So, they were really professional, just ran it really good. Um, and it was really fun to, to be out there and see them all. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'll double down on the volunteers. Having been a volunteer myself, um, it, it takes volunteer work in order to make these games happen. And it's not the best uh, job because you're usually dealing with sweaty, like disgruntled, pissed off people. Um so yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't have been able to happen without them. I have one more shout out. Uh, Shannon Cofield. She's really cool people. Uh, really fun to be around. Probably one of the smartest people there at the game. She's like literally a NASA scientist. But is she uh, Geo Shans? Yes. Yeah. Geo Shans. Yeah. Uh, cool person. Just fun to talk to. Uh, and, and you know she she does a, she she tries to she gives back where she can in the sport. Yes, yeah. it's great to see her out there. I think she was a volunteer last year. Same this year. So, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So, second place finish for both you and Andy. The uh, the slate for tackle games is out for the rest of the year. Still has yet to be released next year. What's next, purely in terms of competing within the tackle games? So, me and Andy talked. Um, we both want to – we both want to get involved in the individual events. We both want to compete in those. Um, I, I think Andy plans on doing one probably at the end of the next month or something like that. Not sure. Uh, but I know he's going to start hitting into it heavy. He's missed competition, like like him coming out for this competition. It was the first time he's competed since he got out of the Marine Corps in 2019. Oh, wow. uh, so, he wants to get back at it, and this is how he wants to go back at it. Um, I I want to get in at least one individual event, and then I also want to do team event again next year just because I'm never going to give up three gun. That's like my bread and butter, the thing I love the most. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find, you know, probably either do one of the events down in South Carolina or – you know, Ohio next, next summer, you know, it's really going to depend on my schedule when I uh, start my new job. Yeah, for sure. And last thing. Um, so you guys went out there and killed it. And the very next week you had your retirement ceremony. How did it feel that entire week in general, knowing that, you know, you worked really hard and you performed really well at this very like punishing demanding event um, almost as a capstone to your Marine Corps career. It must have been a pretty good feeling. It was a, it was kind of like the cherry on top of everything. It was like, you know, me and Andy, we went out there 
And we wanted to go out there just for the experience. It was Andy's first time competing, um, you know, and the competitive side in us were like, we want a podium. Um, so when we actually made that happen, it, it was just really fulfilling. Like in a major match setting, that was the first time like I'd ever gotten called up to a stage and, you know, been given a trophy like that. Um, well, it's not my first time. Uh, I think my first time was Bianchi Cup, but really don't count that. Like that that's something that, you know, for this one, I would say this was by far one of the most intensive preparations I've done for a match. And to go up there and, and, and get second place with Andy, you know, doing something with a friend that I hadn't seen in a while and us uh, accomplishing our goal, it was this just the cherry on top of the end of a career. You know, it's kind of full circle. Um, you know, when, when they say like you, you'll always, you'll always remember the people that you served with uh, and, and you always want to make time with the people that you serve with. Like this was a perfect opportunity to make that happen uh, for the both of us. Yeah. It's also important. We talked about this a little bit for your retirement podcast, but knowing that you still got some in the tank and there's still better things ahead for you, I think is, is, is a great mentality to have as mm -hmm. you have one career and move into another. Yeah. Because so many people like, you know, a couple of people are like, Oh, I hope you're not going to be one of those guys that just gets out and gets fat and happy. And it's not, no, it's <laughs> like, I, you know, I'll say this, like, while on the team, I I didn't focus on my physical uh, well-being nearly as much as what I've done in the past. Um, the job hasn't necessarily called for it. You know, I did enough to where I could do okay within my fit with the physical uh, fitness test. Uh, but other than that, it's not like I was just trying to go out there and just kill myself every day. Um, but you know this has kind of rejuvenated that effort that now I can actually really take the time, focus on my physical well-being, and just go out there and kill it. It lets me know that I still have something in the tank and that, you know, everything, what people don't realize half the time, it's all in your head. Yeah. And if you can get over that, you can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great advice for anybody. So, um, I guess we're going to go in, uh, into your segment. Um, so we're going to kind of combine area eight and nationals. Uh, but overall, how do you feel about your performances with both area eight and nationals? Uh, area eight was a big disappointment. It was easily the worst match I shot during the summer season. Um, and we can go in a little bit into the why. Uh, nationals, I, I'm i okay with where I placed. Um, it's I basically validated my classification, and there was a lot of heat there. I wish I could have done better, but um, realistically, there's a lot of other factors in my life, and I've had to contend with the fact that uh, I don't think I'm ever going to have the capability to be a pure competitor. You know, mm -hmm. um, It's just a lot of other things going on, a lot of other commitments that I have. So, um, but yeah, uh, area, area eight, 
uh, stopped me pretty hard, man. Um, they dumpster, dumpster fire. Yeah. And uh, it was, I mean, if you look at my stage performances, I, I just fell into a rut. Um, if I'm going, the thing that I wasn't used to was how fast the swingers were and like swingers, I'm okay at shooting like a full swinger, but they were cutting off like the top quarter of a, of an Ipsic target. And it was hidden behind a barrier. Um, and there's a video where I sent four on them and none of them hit. And that's because I was reacting to the Brown rather than like preemptively shooting at it. I should have been ambushing the target instead of trying to track it, which is what I usually do. Um, there's a pendulum swinger that just like I shot two in the no shoot. That was the first stage of the day. So that, and, and it's, I think also like overall, um, we shot, man, we shot like 15, 14, 15 stages in one day. And most of your sectional matches, your level twos, it's going to be 10 stages in one day, nine or 10, right? Mm -hmm. Nationals, they throw six or seven at you per day. Um, that was the most shooting I've ever done in one day. And uh, I was just totally burnt out by the end of it. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think in terms of three gun, you know, typically in a major three gun match, you're doing three to four uh, stages a day, but typically our stages are a lot longer. Um, you know, average stage, you know, in a major match, if it's a base stage, it's going to be between 30 and 40 seconds for the average competitor. Um, and, but some of the stages, when you go more into your natural terrain, long range, stuff like that, now you're looking at between 60 seconds, I would say between 50 and 90 seconds uh, is what you're, what you're doing. And then like, if you're doing like a Blue Ridge three gun championship type stage, okay, you're the fastest shooter is going to be off that stage at 130 seconds. So, you know, it's typically a lot longer stages in three gun, which is why you're typically doing three, three to four stages a day. Um, but doing six, six, you know, 10 stages, 12 stages, 14 stages in one day, mentally, that's draining. Yeah, it was the first time doing that. Uh, and to your point, like those three, I mean, with three gun, like it takes a long time to reset those stages too. Mm -hmm. the entire squad's got, especially in one of those jungle runs, not to mention scoring and all the other stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it just, I mean, we brought like water snacks and all that stuff. Um, but at a certain point, like, I don't think I was very careful about it either. Um, I approached it just like any other match and uh, I tried to like be on my feet a lot uh in the beginning like helping resetting and stuff and um i think that wore me out a little faster than usual and i i I'd have to i'd have to admit that i'm not i don't think i'm completely back um i'm not where i was before the injury just the the stamina and um, the endurance that i had before i got injured is not there like legs and lower back are just trashed at the end of the day mm -hmm. and i could feel myself getting slower and slower um as I was shooting those stages. So, you know, you and I spoke about this uh, in between area eight and nationals, and we specifically talked about burnout. Um, what do you think really just contributed to that burnout and how would you mitigate it next time? 
Yeah, it was uh, overestimating my abilities to do everything, which is a common theme. It's just the way I am. I want to I want to go out and do things. Um, it just in this case, I don't think it particularly worked out. Uh, Area eight shot that. And then that very next week, I had to go in, uh, start classes at Georgetown. Um, and at the same time, like had some conversations with uh, with my wife and she was like, you're gone shooting a lot. And I know I agreed to it. Like you showed me the entire schedule, but I think just looking at dates on paper doesn't necessarily prepare you um, for somebody being away on all the days that she's off and having to take care of our dog and all these other things. I think that all just really compounded. Um, part of it too was me. Like I, I just didn't execute on a lot of those stages, but I think a lot of the uh, life factors caught up to me and um um yeah try, trying to do like trying to get practice time in dry fire time travel to matches do all my reading and i mean one if we want to talk about nationals i think that's where it was like <laughs> this this isn't this isn't tenable um because i flew out on wednesday for nationals i flew out on the same flight as the team that entire flight over i was reading a book uh on pdf taking notes um and then on that Thursday, we walked stages and the rest of the day I was re I was trying to finish that book. Um, and then Friday we shot in the morning, Friday night, I was reading again, Saturday morning, like we shot in the PM, like every moment that was not spent shooting or walking a stage or eating with the team was spent doing homework. Um, and graduate school is just another level that I, I, I'm not, I'll, I'll be honest, like it, it was, it has been a little overwhelming because it's three books, three books a week. Oh, um, yeah. And not only that, it's like, honestly, <laughs> I could, I could probably sit there in class and just be quiet and, uh, you know, get, get by on the fact that I just skimmed it. But um, I'm paying, I'm paying to be at Georgetown. I was selected for this program and I want to do just like everything. I want to do everything well. Um, and I think in this case, like, uh, personal responsibilities as a husband, uh, responsibilities as a student, and my endeavors as a shooter, I ended up doing none of them well. Mm -hmm. So, what do you what are you going to change for next year? Like, how are you going to attack the problems? Because obviously, your grades need to reflect as if you're doing well, and you know you want your marriage to work. How are you going to prioritize? Yeah. Um, Honestly, at this point in my life, I, I am less busy than my wife. She's the one going through residency. She works as many as 80 hours a week sometimes. So I can't presume to continue to be selfish and take a lot of time for shooting and assume that it's just going to work out in the long term. Um, just to like underscore uh, how much happened this last week, that entire sequence happens. Um, Wednesday, fluid in Alabama, walk Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, shoot. As soon as we're done uh, shooting on Sunday, went to the airport. I didn't get in. I didn't get into Dulles until like two in the morning. I didn't cool. get home until two in the morning. And the next day I got up at like six so I could pack for school. And I took the VRE in and so I could bike to bike to Georgetown because it's stupid expensive to drive into the city. Mm -hmm. Like you will get raked over the coals in terms of easy pass and like parking and all the other stuff. And also like, Driving in the city isn't fun. You know that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, 
dude, driving with your Tundra or my, my, uh, my Silverado is not, it's not something that you look forward to. And trying to find a garage that allows your vehicle to be inside that garage that, that has a height enough uh, for our vehicles. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find. Yeah. Um, so I did class like Monday. I got, I got, I had a class at nine to, to like, it was nine 30 to 12. And then I, I went and worked out. I did my reading for the next class, which was from three 30 to six. And then I biked, it was raining, <laughs> I biked in the rain back to the VRE station. Um, and I was actually on the phone with you, Matt. I didn't tell you this, but I got on the wrong fucking train. <laughs> I got on the fucking VRE going towards Fredericksburg. I didn't realize it because I was reading again on the train. I looked up. I was like, fuck, I don't recognize any of these stops. And I call Annalise. I was like, I, I need you to pick me up in uh, Woodbridge because um, I'm on the wrong train. It was the last train for the day, too. Um, and that, that was obviously it's another mental error. Like, I got to own that. But like, it, that's it, it just underscores like I went to nationals and I didn't give my best performance. Um, I did okay in those classes, but then like, you know, my head was in the clouds and I couldn't even get home on the right train. Um, and I did it again the next day, uh, Tuesday, I had another class yesterday. Um, and now I'm just sitting here and like, I'm, I'm pretty sore from the biking and all the other stuff. And just, yeah. Um, you, I th I'm sure some people have, I'm sure if I committed to it, I would be able to like figure out a way forward with all three things. Um, but in the immediate future, going back to your question, I got to focus on being a good husband, a good student, like the shooting will always be there. Right. Um, and uh, shooting with the guys on the shooting team and seeing the heights that they reach, like congrats to Raider, Cardi, Nelson, all these other guys. They they did fantastic out there. Um, I just part of me knows that on the inside, I don't have that level of energy and uh, time to dedicate Um and I, there's some other factors going on too, but looking at like the next season, I just kind of like what you're doing right now. You're extremely judicious about the matches that you're shooting. Cause you know, I think with you, it's a quality over quantity thing right now, you know, mm -hmm. like you're like, I'm committing to the tackle games or I'm committing to the Duskin and I'm going to go. And those are the only things. Whereas for me, it's like, it's so easy to get drawn into like, one or two major matches a month, especially with how much the team was shooting this last summer. I'm grateful for it. Like stats on Raider, uh, stats on Corson, like them bringing it, it didn't help them to plan around my, my being there. Right. Like it didn't help. Like they're not, I, however well I do me being there doesn't really affect their ability to do their jobs. Um, but I'm thankful that they that they made that space for me and that I was able to like shoot the summer season. I learned a lot. Um, but I'd say most of it is like just in terms of life balance, you know, like we're at this point again, just like I was post championships. I'm just like, all right, Frank, we got to make some changes going forward. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm guilty of making the same mistakes, too. You know, I think uh, one of the the last episodes we recorded you know, the retrospective, you know, you asked me, you know, how do you balance? And I was tell, told you guys, I don't know what balance is. It took my wife getting involved to telling me you need to 
choose one or two things and stick to that. And, you know, especially whenever it comes to being with the team, it's really easy to get sucked into going to one match after the other. I mean, even just being on the team, it's easy to get sucked into that. And, you know, all of a sudden you forget what your priorities are and, and, and now you're in a hole. Um, so I think I, I understand what you're going through. And I think the fact that you can recognize, uh, what just occurred. I mean, that's, it's mature and it's, you know, it's a good thing. You kind of saw what your upper threshold was and now you know where to dial back to. Yeah. And I'm still thankful that I did all of it. I just, um, I'm dealing with a little the repercussions right now, but realistically in the next week or so, um, things will stabilize and, I will get in the rhythm of the reading and all the stuff I got to do for school. Um, and I will probably like step back into shooting in the future. Um, a lot of good things came out of the summer season. Um, I learned a lot about my limits, right? Time management, all that stuff. But I learned a lot of good stuff about shooting too. And it's hard not to when you're shooting around Raider, Cardi, Nelson, all these guys who like are really like, they're doing really, really fantastic. Um, I, I would say like, it was interesting to see just some of the things that I took for granted break down. Like I'm like, Oh, I'm a great stage planner, but then like shooting with the team and just trusting my own instincts to step going along with the plan that they were all going with. Mm -hmm. um, that was an issue for me uh, at the end of it. I was like, why did I do that? And I was talking to Stash on course about it a little bit. And I think there's a certain level of group thing that goes on with any given squad like especially the super squad, you know, mm -hmm. you, you watch them, you're like, why are they all running it that way? Well, it was like, well, if you see someone smash a stage one way, then everyone else is going to be like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to do it that way. But maybe that, that wasn't your plan to begin with and you just don't execute it as well. Um, so a little bit of like, I guess for me, stage planning, individuality, knowing my strengths and like sticking to my game. Um, also, like, I think I got really lazy with grip near the end and that has to do with a little bit with like physical endurance and all that. But um I think with the shadow, like you can, you can get away with a pretty sloppy grip and it'll still allow you to shoot accurately, but then your, 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 your sights aren't returning as quickly. And you're not able to push through stages as aggressively. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it, it came clearest to me where there was, there was a standard stage where you had to shoot four on one target for the other target reload and then four and four again. And I got a good grip on the second string. And I was just like, Oh shit, that's what I should have been doing the entire time. Um, Meanwhile, I'm making strides in terms of like target focus, like the just the dot occlusion, um, moving sooner, all that stuff. Um, but overall, I, I think I had a similar uh, thought where you, you mentioned diet in the beginning of this episode. Um, yeah, if there's one thing that the, the guys in the team have is that they're all light on their feet and quick. And I don't know if I can really be that way uh, at my current weight. So probably need to take a look at where I'm putting my body as well. Um, work a little bit more of the agility because you have to be able to move quickly in competition. Um, it's, it's important, you know? I do have to ask, uh, since, you know, you've been shooting with the team, who are you most excited, you know, or who, who's the up and comer that you've been most excited watching grow? Easily Cardi. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And I was his roommate this last weekend too. And I got to see a little bit of the mental process. Um, he's, he's extremely consistent. Um, he's all in, in terms of his approach. Like this is his job for the next three years. He's shooting Carolina state this weekend, like one week after nationals. Um, yeah, I I don't know how he does it. I mean, I kind of do. Like the dude, the dude's not married, and he 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 he's able to go out and do these things. Um, part of me is envious of that, but also like he he puts in the work and he takes care of his mind and body extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like he he attended a JJ Wakaza class. Him and Nelson both did. Um, that was his first like formal instruction from a high level shooter. So, like, the things that he's going to pick up from JJ and he's going to continue to go to other classes and stuff, um, he's he's only been with the team less than a year. I think that guy's trajectory is going to be astronomical. Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited to see where he ends up by the end of his time on the team. Like, your first year, you're, you know, typically in your first year on the team, you're still trying to – you're getting your ropes, getting everything underneath you – and you're finding your place a second year, you're making huge strides. Your third year, you're freaking off the charts typically. And like he's starting off at a very high level. Yeah. And just to see where he's going to be at year three, it's that's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, I, I got a call out on Lieutenant Bodziak as well. Yeah. Um, so for somebody who like he made so much progression over the summer season um, to the point where he is like shooting better than me in some cases and right behind me in other cases. Um, there's a seriousness there. He's a good dude. He's got a great attitude. Um, so excited to see him progress as a shooter, but also as an officer on the team and the things that he's going to be able to do with the pistol team. Um, really excited there as well. I am too. Like whenever he came to the team, you know, him and I sat down for probably a good half an hour, hour long period of time. And John is just a really good dude. Um, He's really passionate about the direction he wants to see the team goes. And he's one of those guys, um, you know, he's one of those guys that can just listen to what somebody has to say and be like, yes, that is, that is what we need to do. And, you know, he just, he wants to do what's best for the direction of the team and for the Marines on that team. And I'm really excited to see uh, the, the team under his leadership, uh, you know, specifically because, well, pistol team, or he's, I guess you can kind of call him the XO of the team, but I'd, I, I'm really excited to see uh, how the team, you know, works while under his leadership. Yeah. I think they will. Um, they're losing a lot by losing Staff on Raider. He's been with the team for so long. Mm-hmm. He just knows so much about the sport, has so many contacts. But I also think they're well postured with uh, Cardi, Nelson, Treat, uh, Staff Sergeant Corson, and also Lieutenant Bod. Um, I think that that core of individuals is going to do great things for the next two to three years together. Absolutely. And, like, it's, you know, I'll even say, like, under, you know, the, the action shooting team, you know, the things, like, like seeing the them out there, like kind of through Facebook, seeing them and then talking to, to Alex Go King yesterday, you know, they're 
they're going to grow so well um, and they're going to perform really well. Like they're making some really big strides, um, not just in their performance, but in their, you know, the, their effect within the community. Like people are loving the team, you know, they are good ambassadors to the sport, uh, you know, and, you know, the, I, I was tagged in a video where like Go King and Ariano were just teaching the kids how to do fire and maneuver, you know, and just having them do buddy rushes. And it's like the kids were eating it up and, you know, loving it. And like, that's what that's, you know, we're a community that just loves each other. And it's like, we're, we're, we're providing good entertainment for everybody. And people, people love that, you know, uh, that's one thing I, I love about our team is we're just really good ambassadors, uh, to the sport. And that's one aspect of the team I'm really going to miss. Yeah. And I felt a lot of that shooting with those guys. Um, it was tremendous opportunity. Um, especially since I, I never really got the chance to be a summer shooter. Um, but that, that ship has sailed, um, but I, this is the closest I was ever going to get. And it was, it was an awesome opportunity. So I, I do have one more question in terms of uh, your time on with the team this summer. Um, and it, it goes more into attacking a stage and stage preparation. Like, can you kind of highlight how things were prior to, you know, whenever you were shooting on your own down at Camp Lejeune and then how you, analyze a stage now and attack that stage since you've uh done it with the shooting team yeah um before when i was on my own i i would just kind of find all the targets um maybe i'd show up to a match before and walk stages or maybe it just you know that would that would be my first time ever but shooting this much um this many major matches like there's some things that if i'm going to a major match i'm gonna do I'm going to show up early enough to get a look at all the stages. Um, I don't necessarily print out the matchbook because it sometimes looks drastically different. Um, but looking like seeing it in person and just like having a provisional plan ready, something that uh, myself, Nelson and Corson uh, even went as far to do was we had our little like first person cameras. And once we settled on the actual plan, we would walk through the stage with the camera activated and then I would just share it with those guys over airdrop um, just so we could get like a refresher. Like, okay, this is what the stage looks like. Because at nationals, you have 19 stages. Like at a certain point, like you're not remembering them by the names. You just remember them by the general flow and the way the targets present themselves or the particular gimmick um, that that's present in that particular stage. Um, talking and articulating like with other team members why like why target target prioritization or precedence generates like flow or something that's just if it's if it's if it flows better it's going to be easier for you to remember and not only that it's going to be better it's going to be easier for you to execute aggressively so we will watch each other and be like why are you shooting the targets in that way and then like sam and i will will just talk and be like well i'm doing this instead um I do think at a certain point that becomes detrimental, especially if like you're just about to go up. Like at a certain point, you gotta lock it in. That's that's something that I learned for myself. Like at a certain point, you gotta lock in the stage plan and you just gotta roll with it. Like it's better to like burn in an okay stage plan rather than like 
switch to a great stage plan that you're not going to execute as well and have some like glitches in the matrix. Um, so yeah, um, just being a lot more procedural with the way we're approaching stages um, and realizing like how much time you're losing footwork. Um, what JJ Rokaza says is uh, entries, exits, and transitions where you're going to end up making up some time. Like you don't really make up a whole lot of time in the shooting. I think I tighten up my grip and probably shoot a lot more aggressively. I'm, I tend to over confirm on my stuff, but yeah, that's something else I got to learn about uh, just in terms of moving out of in, and into positions quicker. But um, yeah, did I answer your question? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty cool to see like the guys who are really competitive, how, uh, you know, guys who just go out to have a good time, you know, they just go out there and be like, okay, this is how I'm going to attack a stage guys who are really serious about their shooting and their abilities and their performance, they are going to attack and they're going to be very analytical and very specific about what they do. And it's really fun to just watch that. And there's a reason for everything. Like there's a reason for why this target and whatever. And sometimes it's comfort and sometimes it's, I just want to see what happens. Um, mm -hmm. That's the fun about it. That's what I like about the, the stages where, not everyone's going to shoot like slightly differently. It's always, it's always fun to like talk to each other about why that is right. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of art to it. Yep. And like and specifically in three gun, what I love is like, you know, there are some stages that uh, match directors, they just build to shoot one way, but then you have uh, match directors who build it, to where you have options so it's really fun to just watch how the really good shooters go out there and just plan that stage around what their what their specific uh highs and lows are yeah absolutely and I, I would just say this as a general rule of thumb like matches matches kind of assume the identities of their match directors like you there are certain matches that you just know like the stage designs are going to be quality and are going to put you in those predicaments where you have to choose and you have to like come up with a, a certain plan and then there's other matches that are simply like stand and shoe and like very linear mm -hmm. i would push myself like travel the extra hour because the first set of matches i talked about like that's sir walter for me mm -hmm. i want three hour drive one way just for sir walter yeah for me um those those matches, it's always been Carolina uh, three gun, Carolina guns and gear down yeah. in Ash uh, Ashboro. Yeah, like I, yeah, Jason Byerly and the Zoo City crew put on phenomenal matches, and that's I would say, like I would, tr you know, I would travel that on a weekend. That's a four hour drive for me, but I would I would take the time and drive those four hours because one, I'm going to be around some fucking awesome people, and two. I'm going to be around a really good match. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's worth driving those good matches. And also uh, Carolina Guns Gear is a really good facility too. Oh yeah. But I think this kind of wraps it up. So um, Frank, do you have anything else? No. Got to figure out my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're fine. But I hope you really enjoyed this. I hope you kind of got a glimpse of what me and what Frank and I have both been going through over the past 
few weeks uh, and enjoyed it. If you have any questions for us or if you'd like us to answer any questions, please reach out. Let us know how we're doing. You know, rate us on Apple, uh, Spotify, you know, whatever streaming service that you're you're listening to. Also, we do have the Instagram page and the Facebook page now. So please go on there, leave comments. Uh, and if you want to get us get a hold of us individually, you can you you can drop it in a DM. So thanks for listening. We really, really look forward to next time. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.